Welcome to the original Draft Breakdown Podcast, episode 103. I'm your host, Justin Higdon. Not with me this week is my co-host, Seth Cox. Seth is, he's got some dad duty this week. He's at a baseball tournament. I believe he's coaching the team that has uh, all nine of his sons starting for it. So Seth will join us back next week. And uh, we've also got a, a fun idea so that Seth had. So I'll talk about that in a sec. As I mentioned last week, we started a patron, a Patreon site. And you can find us there on Patreon at the Original Draft Breakdown Podcast. Right now we've got a couple articles up. We've got last week's bonus episode where we talked about the hottest Trevor Lawrence take on the internet. We've got a few patrons so far, so I wanted to give them a shout out. So thank you to uh, Keegan, to Zach, Zachary. Thanks to Luke, to JTegan85, and thank you to Blake. Thanks to our new patrons this week for helping us cover the cost of, of hosting the show and giving a little snack money for the kids. So we appreciate that. Please spread the word and uh, talk about the show. If you like us, you can find us free each week on iTunes and Spotify. You can follow us there and give us a five-star rating if you like the show, please. Um, Just one thing I want to talk about. Seth had a great idea and for Patreon this week. We are going to, if we can get uh, 10 new patrons by Wednesday or Thursday morning, Wednesday evening, Thursday morning, if we can get 10 new patrons on the generational tier, what we'll do is we'll do a Zoom or some kind of Zoom or Skype happy hour with our patrons that evening. So keep an eye out for that. If that's something that interests you, please go ahead and sign up. We've got two tiers. We've got the, of course, elite tier, which is $2.00. So basically the cost of four cigarettes and we've got the generational tier, which is just $4 a month or the price of a light beer at a dive bar. So it's, it's very cheap. Um, We're trying to give you great content each week and we really appreciate the support that we've been given so far. Now I'm not going to bore you or I'm not going to subject you anyway to an hour or two half hour of me rambling. So, I'm lucky enough to have a co-host to sub in this week. And with me this week is my buddy, Ryan Lopes. You will know him from Fantasy Football Twitter. Ryan is uh, at the Breakout Finder. He's on all kinds of fantasy football podcasts. He's been on uh, the Roto Underworld podcast a number of times. He does a great job with fantasy, dynasty football. We talk skilled position players all the time. So, Ryan... What is up? Thank you for joining me tonight. Justin, it's been a long time coming, brother. We've I mean, we've been going back and forth uh in, in DMs for, for years now. Um between me, you and, and and our guy Kyle Posey, man. It's just when I when I have a question about a player, um, it's you know, I I'm I'm turning to guys like you first. You know what I mean? So you you and I have have, have, have gone back and forth for so long. I'm so excited to finally get on the mic with you, man, and really really chop it up. Um, you know, and uh, it's we've we've seen some hot takes. We're gonna go over some hot takes. So I'm I'm stoked to be here. I'm very very excited. And we we got you on at the right time because we kicked off the pro day season last week. Yes, and we had some big ones. We had some big pro days come up. So we'll run through some of them. And I think 
the big headliner, even though uh, Trevor Lawrence had already done his solo pro day, I think the big headliner was was Clemson, where we saw we got numbers from Travis Etienne, from uh, Amari Rogers, and from receiver Cornell Powell. So Etienne, I think people were really excited at first when they saw that he weighed 215 pounds and that he ran a 4.45. But then people saw him, and there were some there were some interesting takes about whether or not that was good or bad weight. What was your takeaway from the ETN pro day? Yeah. And I, I link up with my guy, Nate, Nate Liss on Twitter. One of the, one of the breakout finder OGs and, and, and him and I are always talking about skill guys just based on our, you know, our infatuation with, with dynasty, dynasty football. Um, and we just recently chopped it up about Travis ETN. There was, there was some funny, funny fallout with that on, on the timeline. You know, a lot of people were, we're waiting with bated breath for this weigh-in for ETN. He had to cross that magical, you know, 210, 215, that that magical number that that we'd like for our running backs, for our bell cow type running backs. And of course, he came in at 215. Uh, on paper, that looks great. The problem is the problem that Nate and I had with it. You know, that problem that I had with it is that you know, uh, you need to add some context to it. You you look at ETN. Uh, and I don't want to you know go too far down the show sheet here. You know, you put him side by side with his teammate. Cornell Powell, who came in lighter than than 215, but just looking cut up, looking built, looking like he's been living in the gym versus Etienne, who I'm not going to take away his athleticism. And we we know these guys are high end athletes, of course, but Etienne showed up and I called it. I, I thought he looked a little bit fluffy. You know, it looked like he just drank a couple gallons of water, ate, ate, ate whatever food he needed to eat to get at 215 or, or, or right around there, called it a day, you know, and I, even... Even a, a few days before his pro day, my guy Ray Garvin, I was I was talking to him, and he said, "Ryan, you ha- I don't know if you've seen this photo floating around, but Travis Etienne, Ryan, he's got he's got man boobs. You know what I mean? Something happened to Travis Etienne." <laughs> oh and my. so at the time, I didn't see the picture, but eventually, after the, after him and I were done talking, he showed it to me. I was like, "Man, he does not look in tip top shape right now." So, long story short. I don't believe the 215 weight. Uh, you and I talked a little bit about it, Justin. Like this is this is a weight that I don't think he played at. You know, at school. Uh, certainly, the 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 run that that he that he ended up clocking. I think it was it was uh, it was somewhere in the 441, 443, or something like that. So certainly didn't affect him too much there. So my two big takeaways was that the weight isn't gonna it isn't a real weight. It's a it's a it's a funny it's a funny number. It's not it's not what he's gonna play at on, on Sundays, um, and the speed. I was fine with the speed. I never, I think you and I agreed on this as well. I never thought that Etienne was a true like four, three speedster. You know what I mean? He was certainly, he's, he's an explosive player. Uh, I've likened him to, to Marlon Mack, but I didn't think he was going to come out there and wow with a four, three number. Uh, so I didn't put too much stock into that either, but man, the fallout is crazy. People immediately saw the two fifteen buddy and elevated him above Najee Harris or any other back. You know, they just, that's all I needed to see, which to me, that's, that's bad process. And then they saw the picture and they lowered him back down below Javante Williams. <laughs> so I think you're right it, it, that he was carrying. It, it did look. I thought it looked like he was maybe carrying some water weight, which yeah, you know, guys will use different tactics to to check the boxes that they need to check at these pro days, right? And the fact that he still ran fast, I think, is a good sign because you're yeah, right. Sure. I don't, he's he's not going to play at 215, probably more at, at what he was listed at, which was 205. Mm-hmm. Um, so I still think he's he's still going to be my uh, running back two in the class behind Najee yeah, Harris. But that's where I got him too. Yeah, and and I mean he the one big box that people wanted him to check coming in was to see if he could become a good receiving back, and I think he's mm-hmm. proven that he can be. 
and I think that's the key for ETN. You know, he's he's definitely a player who I don't think I think he he was his pro day was fine. It didn't surprise yeah. me, and yeah. I don't think the weight's a big deal at all. Um, Amari Rogers was another one that we saw on on Friday or last week when Clemson had their pro day, and he checked in. He's a very uh, stout guy. You know, he mm-hmm. came in at a, uh, I believe he was at about two twelve with about five nine. So mm-hmm. he's mm-hmm. built like a running back. And interestingly yeah. enough, they gave him some running back reps, which we didn't yeah. see at the Senior yep. Bowl. So, do you think that's a way that teams are going to use him, or is that just something that we want? You know, we want to see if he can do it. Um, but we're really still thinking of him as a slot receiver. Yeah, and I, you know, his week in Mobile at the Senior Bowl, this is when he was really firmly placed on my radar. And I, you, you and I, of course, were, were, were chatting about him. I was like, gosh, man, I, I really got to, I, I, I really want to be higher on Amari Rodgers. I, I want to be early on, on, on Amari Rodgers because he is, like you said, he has that build where he could he could be deployed as a back. He's certainly a receiver. Um, and I immediately thought of, it's it's probably lazy given the recency of it, but I immediately thought of like a Debo Samuel type type player. That's kind of who I saw or envisioned at the next level when I when I was watching Amari Rodgers and thinking about how he can be utilized um, on, on Sundays. Uh, it was good. To, I was excited to see him get running back snaps. I think both a player like Rodgers and any any kind of player that, that shows the certain dynamism and versatility you just want to get the ball in their hand as much as possible uh whether it's as a true you know dedicated wide out or mix it up out of the backfield you know split him out in the slot out of the backfield getting on some swings or something like that so with Rodgers, i just want him given that build given his ability you know after the catch after the run i just want to get the ball in his hand as much as possible so i'm not sure how nfl teams view him do you do you think there's a there's a consensus out there at this point well i, th- I thought of him as a slot receiver pretty much yeah. yep all along it- but then, um, you know, you, you think back to last year with Antonio Gibson, and he was a receiver at, at Memphis. That was his mm-hmm. primary role. And then they moved mm-hmm. him to running back full time. But they had moved him to running back at the Senior Bowl. And one of the things I thought was interesting was that Jim Nagy, who runs the Senior Bowl, tweeted mm-hmm. out a clip of, of, uh, of Amari Rogers taking handoffs. And he said, you know, teams want to see this versatility. And I thought, Jim, why didn't you uh, have that on display at the Senior Bowl? Maybe that was up to the coaching staffs, and they just didn't think to do it. But I thought it was it was curious uh, why he he would comment on it. Maybe that was something that Jim Nagy was pushing the coaches to do, and they just didn't sure. feel like doing it. Yeah. But I, I like Amari. I think he's going to be uh, four five two is good, not great. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's I I guess I like to say this one. It's a Mayockism. He's quicker than fast, <laughs> but he did look like one of the star players at the Senior Bowl, and I think for sure that sticks out in my mind still. So I think I'd probably go with him in the third round mm-hmm. if I need mm-hmm. a good slot receiver. Or, or, you know, hey, maybe do give him a couple back, uh, snaps out of the backfield per game. Yeah. Uh, Cornell Powell, you mentioned him. He was rocked up. Uh, he's he's a late breakout guy, right? He, had, uh, he never really did much until senior year. He had over mm-hmm. 800 yards and over 15 yards of catch, I think. He ran a four... A four five three again. That's good. Good speed, but not great. We can't yeah. really elevate him to the Terry McLaurin level, where he has kind of a breakout senior year and then a breakout senior bowl, and then runs a great time. Powell mm-hmm. didn't quite come to that level, right? Yeah. But he was a, a guy that I thought at the senior bowl looked like he is going to be a core special teamer. Mm-hmm. He he mm-hmm. looked like he was covering kicks really well. I was, I was uh, it was. 
kind of start startling to find out that he really hadn't played much special teams coverage uh, in his time at Clemson. But did you have any takes on Powell? No, I mean, it's simply from a, I know we're not necessarily in the fantasy portions, so to speak, but simply from a fantasy standpoint with Powell, I mean, just a player that I don't, uh, as you said, a, a later breakout, 23.4, um, four, late, late production um, it, on his profile, metric, you know, metric wise, nothing really jumps out to me. I mean, especially when we're talking about these older prospects. I want to know that if you're older, you've been dominant throughout your collegiate career, you know, heavily utilized, heavily leaned on. Um, and if you don't have that, uh, there's really no, I mean, I don't have anything to really hang my hat on with Powell. So I think your projection uh, as far as, a, you know, a core special team at the next level, that's that's probably where he ends up slotting in uh, against coming from my world, speaking fantasy purposes, not not a player that I'm really going to have my on my radar really at all, I don't think. Yeah, I think he's a good player, but I think we're looking at a guy who probably goes around the fifth round or later. Fair enough, um, yeah. This is a player, the next one on my list is a, is a player that I know you and I have talked a lot about <laughs> offline. For sure. And this was at Oklahoma's Pro Day, and I think Seth and I talked about him on the, on in episode 101 as well. And that is Oklahoma running back Ramondre Stevenson. Stevenson was a, a JUCO transfer. He had a great senior year at Oklahoma he had a huge bowl game he checked in at 230 pounds I believe he was listed at like 246 or 247 mm -hmm. he came mm -hmm. in at 230 we knew he was going to be lighter than listed because he already was at the senior bowl and then he ran in the range where we fully expect him to run uh, he ran at four six an official four six three they had originally said four six four they shaved one hundredth of a second off he also came in below average as a running back in terms of the explosiveness, the jumps that we see, the vertical and the broad jump. Yeah. So Stevenson, I felt like he looked a bit plodding at the Senior Bowl and the practices. He's not a player I've been enthusiastic about. Again, in the same vein as Powell, I found him. I, I thought he would be a day three player somewhere around the fifth yeah. round or later. Yeah. But we still are seeing people hang their hats on him. And uh, two of the names that we see come up uh, when they're comparing Stevenson to NFL running backs are last year's breakout rookie, undrafted free agent James Robinson, and then a guy who also was undrafted, Arian mm -hmm. Foster. Aren't we talking mm -hmm. then about outliers? What, For sure. Stevenson is a big-time outlier if he succeeds, right? For sure, and that's kind of, and I don't want to, I don't want to go too far down the path, but that's kind of my argument uh, against Devonta Smith. But with Devonta Smith, he has mind-blowing production and accolades to his name, uh, and certainly a, a different level talent-wise a player, I think. But again, you're you're much like Smith with Stevenson here. You're banking on the outlier scenario, which again, for me, for fantasy purposes, speaking just strictly about it as a dynasty roster, you know, a, a dynasty manager here. You know, I don't I, I don't like betting on, on, on those outliers. And Kevin Cole over at PFF, someone that I've chatted with a little bit here and there, I think he's a really sharp guy. He just recently wrote up his article explaining, like, the, the, his similar prospects and his methodology behind his breakdown here. On this list, you have Arian Foster at the top as the top comparable, but you also have guys like Elijah Hood, Alex Madison, uh, Zach Moss, uh, Matt, Matt Asiata. So guys that have, you know, various, various range of, of, of outcomes there. So if you're, if you're hanging your hat and you're drafting Stevenson in hopes that you have, again, the next Arian Foster, I mean, you, you are banking on like the, the, the furthest dice roll that, that, that you could in that sense there. So not, not a player that I really gravitate towards, just like Powell in the sense that, 
you know, an older player, you know, late production, not very athletic um, in, in, in his own right in that, in that sense. So it's not a player that I, that I, that I want to gravitate towards. And it's so funny to me that, you know, fantasy Twitter um, is adamant about, you know, gosh, this 2021 class is so bad. We don't, we don't, we don't like anyone in this class outside of the top two or three or four names. But at the same time, those same people telling you that the class is bad are the same ones telling you you can't leave drafts without, without Stevenson. It just doesn't, those two dots just don't connect for me. I'm so, so surprised surprised that we're still here talking about it even after his pro day showing but again I guess people gotta you know drum up the content <laughs> this time of year is what it comes down to yeah and you and I will talk more about uh, about this on the Friday show but it's one of those things when you're it, it's gonna for fantasy purposes it's fully gonna depend on where Stevenson gets drafted and who drafts him and and what their depth chart looks like you know Robinson was undrafted, and then Jacksonville cuts Leonard Fournette, and all of a sudden the door is wide open. And they mm-hmm. had another back, uh, Armstead, who had COVID and COVID complications. And mm-hmm. that, again, that helped open the door for uh, Robinson to have that phenomenal rookie year. So mm-hmm. is, are all the dominoes going to fall that way for a guy like Stevenson? That's a really bad bet. Yeah. A couple other uh, results from last week. We saw a guy I had been – interested in because of um, my Cleveland Browns fandom and because sure. he's a, a pass rusher was Ronnie Perkins. But I was concerned based on his, his high school testing and the fact that his body hadn't really changed that much during his time in college that he wasn't going to test out very well. He ends up getting an official 47140, which is better than the first time we heard, which was 478. But uh, he did not have the explosiveness or the change of direction that you want to have uh, from a pass rush prospect. So I thought that he tested out kind of Nate Orchard-ish, and I thought that was mm-hmm. going to be kind of where he lands in the draft, maybe in that day two, mm-hmm. second or third round range, whereas some people were really excited about the numbers that he posted. And mm-hmm. he has, he's got some great highlights, but mm-hmm. um, I think Perkins kind of showed who he was as an athlete. The ceiling might not be – might not, might not fully be there, but mm-hmm. I'm sure he's determined to prove his doubters like me wrong. Um, <laughs> we saw some otherworldly testing numbers from the offensive line. Um, Samuel Cosme ran a 4.87 at 314 pounds. That's, That's the offensive tackle out of Texas. I think that puts him firmly in the first round conversation. We saw Quinn Miners, who was the Senior Bowl star. Uh, he's the Division Three product out of University of Wisconsin Whitewater, and mm-hmm. he ran a four nine nine, and I had a thirty inch vertical at three hundred twenty pounds. And now we're seeing Dane Brugler saying he's a top sixty pick. Wow! Yeah. And then uh, Dylan Raddins, who was the offensive tackle from North Dakota State, and we'll talk more about North Dakota State in a minute. But he ran a five eleven, had a thirty two inch vertical at three hundred one pounds. We don't have a real combine this year, Ryan. Mm-hmm. We have this kind of loose, loosely connected network of pro days where we mm-hmm. are told that they do have NFL people really in there doing the testing, doing the measuring. Mm-hmm. But th- this seems like unheard of for yeah. me to see three offensive tackles, or I guess in Miner's case, he's going to end up at center or guard, but three offensive linemen that big jumping that high and running that fast this is uh is this something that's different in the training of offensive linemen or is it because of uh these special pro days instead of a combine or is it a little bit of both 
I want to say it's a little bit of both. I mean, we just see we just see freak athletes. I mean, I feel like every year the the generations below us, of course, everyone just comes up just freakier and freakier. I don't know if that's just you know us getting older or whatever it is, but I think a lot of it does have to do with the fact that we are not in in Indianapolis this year. And I know speaking just for where I operate, you know, over the player profiler, Roto Underworld side of things, uh, our our head of of analytics, we there was a decision that was made that we are going to add a whole tenth of a second to all the pro day numbers, all the, all, all, all the pro day speech, just to, just to account for that, uh, that inconsistency, that, that unknown. Um, again, I, as you said, there are likely NFL personnel there. Um, they're using, you know, I guess verified NFL type equipment. It's, it's, it's about as official as it can be without being in the halls of the, of, of, of Indianapolis there. I get all that, but some of these numbers, and I think you and I might've joked a couple weeks ago when, when a lot of these early numbers were coming out that no one is going to run like a four, a four, four this year. Everyone's a four, everyone's a, you know, if, if you're a skill guy, everyone's a four, three runner. So the fact that these offensive linemen are moving as, as well as they are, I think it's definitely a little bit of both. Um, and certainly something to be caught about just given the environment that we're in i'm sure i'm sure everyone's doing as best as they can with what they got but i think you have to take it with a grain of salt this year for sure and even if we add a tenth of a second to these guys and take an inch off their jumps they're still phenomenal athletes so i think you're right it's an impressive group of uh offensive linemen this year and a lot of it does have to do with the way these athletes train i know uh some of these players for example radins he didn't have a, a regular season so he had plenty of time to do Nothing but train uh, minors. We saw stories about how he trained in the offseason, how he taught himself, how he, he trained enough to teach himself to dunk a basketball at his size. That's pretty funny to me because, like, he never, it's like he never tried that before. Most kids, when, when they're training in high school, are trying to train to dunk a basketball, but he finally got to it. Um, but you mentioned the early pro day results. I'm going to jump ahead a little bit and we'll backtrack to, to Trey Lance because I mm-hmm. want to talk about him. But Jonathan Adams Jr., we uh, Seth and I covered him episode mm-hmm. 101 in mm-hmm. our uh, Exos Combine coverage, and Jonathan Adams had they gave him a 4.48, a uh, I believe a 41 and a half inch vertical and a 10 foot six broad jump. So at his actual pro day at, at Arkansas State, Adams did have a 39 inch vertical. Mm-hmm. He did have a actually an 11 foot broad jump, even better mm-hmm. than what they had tracked him at at Exos. Mm-hmm. Um, he came in a little lighter than we thought, I think 6'2, 210 pounds. Mm-hmm. But then he ran a 4.59 officially. So that is about a tenth of a second, like you guys are doing at Roto mm-hmm. Underworld. That's about a tenth of a second more than uh, what he did at Exos. So mm-hmm. I think we're seeing that the Exos numbers were a little bit of funny money. Uh, when For sure. it came down to it, the training facility is mm-hmm. is trying to pump up business, and of course, the agents are trying to pump up their clients, of course, and make their investment worthwhile. So, uh, Trey Lance, I don't know if you caught this coverage on NFL Network, but they, mm-hmm. the North Dakota State Pro Day was televised, mm-hmm. and Trey Lance, especially in the eyes of Mr. Daniel Jeremiah, he could do <laughs> no wrong that day. He was fascinated. With Trey Lance, with the way Trey Lance stepped into his throws with the, with his arm strength, and any throw that was missed was just completely glossed over. I thought Lance had a good pro day. I think Lance is, is uh, the quarterback four in this class. But, man, I didn't know if, if Daniel Jeremiah was 
I had to almost think he was related to him after watching that pro day coverage. What do you think of Lance's pro day, and what do you think of him as a prospect overall? Yeah, I, I'm scrolling through the timeline right now because I, I, I did see some clips. I didn't catch it live, but I definitely did did see some clips. I, I saw some nice throws, but again, these guys are all in gym shorts here, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's a different environment, and every quarterback, for the most part, has always looked good at their their respective pro day. But there's a tweet here from, from Daniel Jeremiah saying, he's he said, looking back over my trade Lance notes, and I see the same words over and over again. Quick eyes, trust, anticipation, toughness. I know it's a limited body of work, but the foundation is outstanding. So, man, this guy, like you said, Justin, this guy, this guy's got some poetry built up for Trey Lance here. Uh, he it was is, something else. Man. <laughs> <laughs> he, he he loves him. He loves him, and uh, and I certainly uh, I like him to an extent as well. I think. You and I both agree. I think the consensus is, for the most part, which is nice to see, uh, it's 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 Trevor Lawrence, it's Justin Fields, and then there is you know a conversation to be had whether you are on the Lance side of things, whether you are on the Zach Wilson side of things. And for me, uh, coming from the world that I come from, again looking at it from a fantasy football standpoint, and which obviously has the real world, this the Sunday football implications. Of course, we want these guys to 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 perform. Uh, Trey Lance just has that build that I like. Has that has that upside in the sense that. Just you know, six three two two twenty four can move, can operate outside the pocket. I won't say Cam Newton because Cam Newton was was a different level of special, different level of prospect coming from from where he came from in, in in the SEC. But but has that bigger frame, has the ability to to make things happen outside the pocket and and use that use that body to his advantage. Athletic enough outside the pocket. Um, so you know, for fantasy purposes, uh, it's you want players that can create and rush. And, and, and pick up those yards on the ground. So I think that's where, where Trey Lance can kind of take a step over a Zach Wilson to le- at the next level. And that's kind of what edges him over uh, the, the, the the BYU player for me. Um, it's, it's close enough to debate. You know, I'm not going to, I won't chastise anybody for having Zach Wilson at, at quarterback three. Trey Lance just seems like, if I'm going to, if I'm going to take a bet on, a, on a, a signal call at the next level, Trey Lance is, 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 is my cup of tea. And, and interestingly enough, it almost seems like the consensus among big draft now is that Zach Wilson's quarterback two in a class. But Lance, uh, you mentioned his, his height and weight. I didn't really realize he was that tall. I think they had him listed 6'3 or even maybe uh, taller than that. But he is um, getting comparisons to Steve McNair. And I kind of – I'm old enough to remember Steve McNair – Uh, in college and I kind of am taken aback by those comparisons because of the way uh, of the numbers that Steve McNair put up at the FCS I think it was then the one double a level of football McNair was so impressive and was blowing people away so much that he got Heisman Trophy consideration and then he went uh, three overall we know with Wentz going two overall, it's no longer that going to be that unusual to see a quarterback coming out of FCS and going that high. But um, I think that the Steve McNair comps might be high praise. Um, but, you know, I, I will say this. I think what we've seen out of Josh Allen, out of Justin Herbert, mm-hmm. it seems like teams want to take that chance on that big, strong traits guy mm-hmm. with a big arm. And, and there are coaches that are going to say, I can work with this guy. Yep. And there are other coaches that prefer a Baker Mayfield that are going to like the uh, Zach Wilson types. So yeah. it's, it's, it's definitely a, a pretty stacked quarterback class just from a standpoint of Certainly. where these guys are projected to go. Um, anything else that you wanted to talk about about the pro day results that we've seen up to this point? 
No, I think I think we've 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 hit on the most the most popular ones, which is which is always good. Um, I'm excited for the ones that that are that are still to come because again, I think uh, I think there's two schools of thought as far as pro days come. You know, there's there's probably guys like me who uh, a bit of an athletic snob. You know, I kind I kind of like to have that base to work with. I like to know that um, you know if all if if the transition is slower, or if you know things don't necessarily catch on right away, that I have a a plus athlete to fall back on. So certainly for me, I I tend to I tend to value you know, those raw athletic traits a little bit more. And there are other people that, you know, really kind of overlook the combine. It doesn't really matter uh, to them how, how these results go. They've seen enough on film. They've they've seen enough production-wise. Um, so I think this year, especially as you and I talked about, you know, given the fact that we're not in Indy for this, um, you know, you have to kind of take everything with a grain of salt and, and really be careful. And, and more so this year than ever before, trust your eyes with what you what we've seen for, you know, three, three or so years for, for, for most of these guys um, and, and go from there. You know, make don't don't overthink things. You know, and that's always the case every single year. But this year, especially with with some of these numbers that we're going to see, don't don't overthink things. Yeah, I agree with you, and I, and I think that uh, you know I too value the numbers a lot, but I I'm not a big fan of you know composite scores like Spark and things like that necessarily. But I like looking at the numbers in context. We saw a couple of years ago with Calvin Ridley. He was a player I wasn't super high on, but he was also because he was thin because he he didn't have um, a ton of explosiveness out of the out of the break out of his jumps but he did run a four four one and we see how a player like Calvin Ridley who produced in college and ran and runs very fast can be productive as a pro so I think there's value in certain tests and they help us kind of iron things out we've got more pro days coming up this week that I'm interested in and that's uh University of Illinois, they've got a receiver named Josh Imatorbebe, who's going mm-hmm. to be an, an athletic freak. He wasn't a combine invite, so he's probably a late round or undrafted guy. I feel like he's, he's, he's is, is he like a seven or eight year player at this point, man? He's been there. He's been bouncing all over the place. Yeah, he's a five-star recruit. He went to USC. <laughs> yeah, transferred I remember him to, out of high school. He was one of those USC five-stars that Lovey Smith got to go to Illinois. Yeah. And he's, if you look at Imatorbebe on, on, uh, Twitter, if you follow him on Twitter or probably Instagram, he's posting videos of box jumps. I mean, this guy had, yeah, has like a 47-inch vertical. I mean, it's yeah. insane. I mean, he, he's going to have a huge pro day. we got mm-hmm. Georgia's pro day coming up. Aziz Ojulari is, is probably one of the big is one of the big prospects going to be working out there. Pitt has a couple defensive ends that people are going to be interested in. Buffalo running back Jarrett Patterson has interest for the draft community and the fantasy football community. Auburn might have a guy who can break the 40 yard dash record in uh, Anthony Schwartz. He ran a wind dated 10 700 meters in high school. It's like Olympic track speed. And then the televised one on Thursday coming up is Stanford, which I have to imagine that's so people can watch Davis Mills quarterback, Davis Mills throw. So those mm-hmm. are the ones coming up this week that will, we'll pay close attention to. So now as we get toward the end of the show, it is time as always for the hot takes. <laughs> and I've got a hot one, Ryan. And this is from another Ryan. I was watching CBS Sports HQ on Friday. Okay. They had a draft show and my friend and uh, a friend of so many of our listeners and so many in the draft community and fantasy football community, Mr. Emery Hunt who's at football game plan. Mm -hmm. He was on the show. 
with Ryan Wilson, and they were kind of going back and forth. And Ryan Wilson, uh, when we got to the section of the show where he was, where these uh, gentlemen were asked about their sleeper prospects, when they asked Ryan Wilson about a sleeper quarterback, he said Kellen Mond. Kellen Mond, who a month and a half ago was named the MVP of the <laughs> Senior Bowl, the biggest, one of the two, there are two of the biggest draft yeah. showcases in the whole draft season. There's the Senior Bowl and the Combine. Mond's a Combine invite, and he was the Senior Bowl game MVP. How can a guy who started for four years, essentially four years, at Texas A&M in the ACC, the biggest conference in college football, he goes to the Senior Bowl. He's the Senior Bowl MVP of the game. How is that a sleeper? Everybody who pays attention to the draft knows who Kellen Mond is, right? <laughs> this was a player that, I mean, certainly out of out of high school, I had a bunch of expectations for. I really thought he'd, he'd get things cooking and, and, and more or less explode at Texas A&M. Wasn't necessarily the case. Uh, certainly flashed, but but probably didn't live up to at least the expectations that I had set for him. But you're absolutely right. I mean, anyone that um, it takes this draft stuff or football stuff, you know, scouting stuff, even remotely seriously, certainly knows about Colin Mond. I mean, I guess maybe it speaks more towards uh, Mr. Ryan Wilson's audience, and uh, maybe there's a bunch of people that just certainly don't watch as much college football as you and I. But yeah, definitely not a name that uh, that I would I would lump into that category by any means. Yeah, absolutely. Think uh, you make a great point about Ryan knowing his audience. Um, CBS sports viewers may not be that deep into it. They're probably just paying attention to draft stuff in March and April every year. However, if you if you go to find CBS Sports HQ, you're probably more. I, I would think you're probably more familiar because it is a streaming a streaming network, and it's something that um, you have to kind of you have to kind of find. You know, you mm -hmm. can find the links for it on social media, but it's not something you can just flip on your cable TV and and tune it to CBS Sports HQ on on most uh, cable in most cable plans but yeah I think he was trying to make a point that uh, Mond is gonna go higher maybe than we expect maybe Mond will be drafted earlier than we expect and I think that that's a fair point but he's certainly no sleeper uh, Emery gave a sleeper name of Air Force former Air Force Academy quarterback Donald Hammond mm -hmm. he did not play in 2020 because he had originally entered the transfer portal and then not, uh, didn't catch on and then declared for the draft that's a true sleeper to me and I wrote more about that about Donald Hammond and some other sleepers on our Patreon site at the original draft breakdown Patreon site so uh, thank you Ryan for joining me this week and subbing in for Seth Great job as always. Please tell our, our listeners where they can find you on social media and all around the web. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, Justin, we got to do this more often, buddy. It's, it was it's truly, truly a pleasure when, when you reached out to me. I obviously jumped at the opportunity. Uh, people can find me on Twitter. I, I, I try to try to be as active as, as possible. But, uh, you know, unfortunately, around this this time of year, sometimes the stuff on the timeline just makes you want to want to skip a day or two. But you guys can definitely find me uh, tweeting and, 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 and making light of, of various, you know, football related situations at still Ryan five. Uh, everything else, fantasy football wise uh, at breakout underscore finder, breakout finder dot com. The app is updated the app is live make sure you guys go grab that um yeah I, I look forward to interacting with 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 anyone that i haven't interacted before in, in, in the past and these guys uh, these guys at breakout finder and roto underworld they do an amazing job with fantasy football especially if you're 
into uh, Dynasty football. And in fact, we're going to do a show later this week. Ryan and I are going to do a show later this week for our patrons. And that is going to be uh, posted on Thursday or Friday. But we're going to talk about how the draft, how the NFL draft relates to how we do our kind of fantasy rankings. So if you're into draft, if you're into fantasy, or if you're into both, please go ahead and sign up for uh, the $2 tier. That will allow you the extra bonus episode each week. So again, thanks everybody for joining us. Seth will be back next week, I guess, unless his uh, sons continue winning tournaments and and go on a barnstorming (laughs) tour of the country. But I, I believe Seth will be back next week. And again, thanks to my special guest host, Ryan Lopes. And we hope to have Ryan back sometime in the future. Um, I'm Justin Higdon. You can find me on Twitter at AFC to NFC. And you can find the draft breakdown, the original draft breakdown podcast on Twitter at DB underscore pod. Thanks as always. We'll see you next week. What do you guys think for the outro for now? Um, I mean, I don't know yet. We'd pro- we might be able to record something. We can for now we could do um